0: Leo, I got a little <clears throat> a fog in my throat, a, a frog in my throat, I'm trying to say, so bear with me here. All right, uh, people around America are very upset that the uh, Democrats, people who they voted for, left town without securing uh, American people who are behind in rent without getting that money out there.
1: Uh,
0: I think they actually left town because they felt that the money had been allocated but not given out by the government. But still, but still they have a job to do. Uh I can't understand why the millions of the billions of dollars that the Democrats uh put out here for local governments to help to keep their constituency in their
1: houses, in their apartments, was so hard for them to do. They're saying that it's the governor's fault now. I think Illinois, which is a
0: democratic state, I think Illinois has no problem doing that because I think the governor and the mayor are on board with that. The money that they receive from the federal government on rental assistance, believe me, I think has been allocated. But the other states, the red states, you know what I'm talking about, the Republican states, they have refused to allocate the money, to allocate the money that the federal government has given them to save their constituency from losing their homes. And a lot of these people that are going to be losing their homes are Republicans. They're Republicans. And yet their politicians, their congressmen, their senators, their representatives have not given them the money in order for them to stay in their apartments or their homes. And you just know that it's Republicans, because everything that's going wrong in this country, everything that's that's, that's not right in this country, either is caused by Republicans or Re- Republicans refuse to do anything about it. they already saying that Biden is overspending. Yeah, Biden is spending money, but the Republicans are stopping that money from getting to the people, and that's wrong. That's wrong. In a few weeks, some people, in a week, maybe Monday or Tuesday of of next week, we could see people on the streets,
1: furniture, families, their dogs, homeless on the streets because the Democrats left town for vacation. And from this day
0: of the show, I'm hearing that they're going to be out for seven weeks that's more than that's almost two months i'm trying to get my audition straight here folks <laughs> my brain is not working right at some point it won't be working right at all but anyway while it's working uh these evictions are just awful are just awful and there are people like aoc I mean, she's out there championing the good fight. She's out there blistering Democrats for leaving town and not voting on this measure. Even if they, I think, even if they stayed, I think the Republicans would vote it down because this is something the Republicans they don't want. But it's it's serious. It's serious. So I'm I'm pulling for those who are out there advocating for rental assistance, advocating for the money that is already there, but they have not received yet in order to stay in their homes. And I'm hearing that eviction notices have gone out or will go out sometime in the next few days. I don't think it's going to be for Illinois because I got a feeling – we have to wait and see. I don't think it's going to be for Illinois because I have a feeling that the governor and the mayor are actually trying to keep people in their homes in the state of Illinois. I can't speak for Texas, Montana, Missouri, some of the southern states because some of those people have not gotten the money that the Democrats – um, the federal government has allocated. I'm hearing there's 47 billion dollars out there that has been allocated by the Democrats, but the Republicans. I'm I'm assuming it's the Republicans who have not given the money out to the landlords in the name of the tenants, so they can stay in their apartments or their homes. You know, people people are um, really really um, scared but the Republicans don't care I mean as you know these people do not care They uh, so that's why we voted for Democrats but we didn't vote for them to leave town we didn't vote for them to be derelict derelict to their duties is what uh, AOC is trying to say she is one beautiful lady she is one I admire her maybe one day I can have her on the show who knows um Because she is for the people. She is not a fake. She is not a pretender. She is not a liar. She's out there advocating for people who will be on the streets if something isn't done. Immediately, as we go forward each and every day, each and every minute, she's out there blowing her horn about how the Democrats... Have screwed the American people, especially those who are trying to stay in their homes. She's out there uh, and I'm sure they hear it. They hear it. I'm hearing that this debacle sits on the uh, steps of the Democrats, not the Republicans. This is what AOC is saying. And I believe her. You know why I believe her? Because Because the Democrats have the White House They have the Senate, and they have the House of Representatives. In other words, the Democrats are in control, not the Republicans. So this should have passed. This should have uh, been uh, reconciled with. This should have gone – the money should have gone out immediately, immediately to the people who need it. The landlords, they have to pay their rent, too. They They have bills, too. Um, like i said i don 't think it 's pretty much Illinois, but much of the other states around the around the uh around the United States excuse me evictions let 's hope something can happen i I agree with uh what what is her name Cory Bush. I agree with something that she has said. she said the after the people have been thrown out of their houses and their apartments. She said we they won't need the money then because they have been they, they're already out in the street it it will not help them It will not help them She said we need the money before these people are evicted and she's right She's right
1: because the eviction mor- moratorium expired on Saturday
0: And in a few days, people will be receiving in some areas of the country, I'm not going to say all, eviction notices on their doors. Once a person is out in the street, it doesn't matter anymore. All that money doesn't matter to that person anymore because that person is out on the street when they didn't have to be out there on the street, especially in in Chicago when there's so much violence. And especially because of the coronavirus and the Delta variant and how explosive these two diseases are. And people, American people, do not need to be on the streets. So we're going to have to do something. We're going to have to – something has to be done in the next – I'm going to say next week, in the next week. Because I think when people are behind in their rent, they have, you know, 10 to 15 days to come up with it. And some of these people aren't going to be able to come up with thousands
1: and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Behind rent. Unless the government steps in. And remember, the government
0: cannot be paying their rent forever. There is going going to be a time when the renters, they're going to have to do this on their own. The government can't keep paying their rent for them, even during a pandemic, because I think they've been doing it for almost a year or two years or something like that. They can't keep doing it. They can't keep allocating money uh, for those, for some of those, I think, who just don't want to work. <laughs> they don't want to work. And you've got, you got a lot of people who are taking advantage of the rental moratorium. Well, uh, since they're going to pay my rent, I, I'm not going to work at all. Let them pay for the next 12 months. I'm not I'm not going to work. I'm going to live free. And A lot of people are doing it all because the government will will uh will will allow it, but there are some people who are actually in needy who are actually in need excuse me in need and need this rental assistance and need this rental moratorium to keep them and their kids off the streets and their pets but as I've said, people will take advantage of the system since they're you know, the government is paying their rent and their mortgages, why in the hell get out there and work when the government is going to pay for you for a whole year or two years? There's no incentive for them to get a job. This is one of the reasons why so many people, so many businesses are hemorrhaging employees because people will not work for two reasons, rental, moratorium, their rent is being paid, And they're getting more unemployment than they would get at any job. So if you think about it, the government (laughs) is at fault with this. Uh, But people should know. But people should know this is not going to last forever. This rental moratorium is not going to last forever. I know that they have been extending it every single month since its incursion. I know that unemployment has been extended when it's about to run out. People are taking advantage of these programs. I mean, they're taking advantage of them. You
1: know, well, I'm getting paid
0: this certain amount of money every week from the unemployment. Why should I go out here
1: and bust my ass at a job I don't like? And they can always give the excuse of, well, it's covid but getting back to real people being
0: evicted from their apartments and their children and their pets because of the democratic fiasco of leaving town and not extending this you know what i think if they would have stayed and worked on a rental moratorium i think they would just had i think they would have just extended it to a, another month Because that's what they've been doing so far, month after month after month. But they didn't do it um, for August. I still don't think many people are going to be thrown out in the street because in a few days – because Congress may come back and
1: intervene and take care of this. This is what AOC is complaining about. And if you don't know who AOC is, she's a uh
0: Democratic representative in the House of in the House of Representatives.
1: She's a congresswoman. Basically they call her AOC. Her name is I think it's Cortez. AOC Cortez. Okay.
0: Um Yeah, uh so this is bad. This is bad for America. I, and I wanna play you a little clip by um, AOC uh, in front of the – I I believe she's in front of the Capitol building. She's got a crowd around her, and she is really, really uh, talking about the Democratic debacle of leaving town and not uh, extending this uh, rental moratorium she is really pissed off.
2: The war has changed as the Delta variant rips through the unvaccinated, troubling new guidance about how Here easily is. the virus...
3: What's up everybody? Hey. Yeah. Well, wait a minute for everyone to come on. Hey everybody. What's up? We're here with the
4: Congresswoman Cori Bush. Mm -hmm. And the Congresswoman, your face. Hey, everybody.
3: (laughs) We're just hopping on. We're here at the Capitol. Here, turn around so I can see it. Mm -hmm. We're here at the Capitol because we're pretty mad. Mad. And we're pretty pissed off. Pissed off because everyone out here, if you are lucky enough to be fully employed, at a job that pays you a dignified living wage, you work Monday to Friday, right? Last I last I heard, when you have a job that's full time, you work Monday to Friday, right? Or, you know, if you're a nurse, you at least are working full time yep. when you're paid a full time job, right? Exactly. Monday to Friday, Tuesday to Saturday, whatever that is. Well, we have a federal eviction moratorium that is expiring tomorrow. Tomorrow estimated 7 million Americans that are currently at risk for eviction, and Congress decided to leave town for, not just for the weekend, but for seven weeks through August, Um, while, while the federal eviction moratorium is only tomorrow. They didn't even try. People want to say that they tried, they presented it through something known as unanimous consent. Hmm. So when you introduce it like that, you just need one Republican to say no. And even if one Republican says no, you can call the vote and make everybody put their name next to their stance. Make everybody show up and actually put their name next to yes, I will extend it or no, I won't extend it. But because people are a little too afraid to actually communicate to the public what their stance is. People want to skip town mm-hmm. and let this moratorium uh, lift tomorrow. And by the way, I'm going to say it, the White House is not innocent here either. Because the White House had a month to let people know. And they just sent a little post-it note, sent a little little tiny statement off to Congress yesterday, yesterday, knowing that the House was set to adjourn today, they waited until yesterday to say something about it. And so, we'll tell you what we did. First of all, we're here. We're not on a plane to Boca. We're not off trying to go on some all-inclusive resort right now. We're here because people need to be housed, and we need to do our job, and we're not leaving until we until this job is finished, right? Now... I don't know why, because the House right now also has something known as proxy voting. So you can actually vote remotely. You can actually vote remotely, so you don't even need to be here to vote due to COVID provisions. And they still refused to vote remotely. And what I'm not going to do is let the Democratic Party and House Democrats hide and say this is Republicans' fault. Because it's not. Straight up, it's not. We have a House majority right now house majority a house democratic majority when democrats have the majority democrats can pass laws that they really want to pass so we need to get it together and protect the nearly seven million people who are on the brink of eviction because i think that just people don't get it but you know who gets it sister cory bush right here gets it
5: why
4: are we just sitting back so first of all you have to make a conscious decision that i want to be the person to speak for, represent all of these people in a whole district. You choose that and then you do all the work to get elected and then you get elected and you're supposed to take care of the people and then you choose to not take care of the people. Well, we're still here. And the thing is this, if we don't stand up and step up and keep talking, keep applying this pressure like like we you just heard. Seven million people will be, or that seven million people could be on the street. So we're already talking about the crisis we already have. We have so many people who are unhoused right now, or housing, uh, 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 not housing secure, mm-hmm. right now. And so now we want to go ahead and say, you know what? You can go ahead and go out. We're gonna let seven million people go ahead and go out and hit the streets too. You all can go out, but then what? Then what happens? Because I thought those
3: were the same people you were supposed to. So here's here's one thing that we could all do right now, because here's what what happened. Because when the House tried to adjourn, they moved to adjourn, um, Representative Bush and I, Corey and I, we started running Running. to the House floor. Because, by the way, they didn't tell folks that this is what they were trying to do. They didn't tell folks that they were going to adjourn suddenly. So they tried to slip Congress adjourning without even members knowing. And so we started running, literally literally running, full clip, to the House floor to try to demand a roll call vote on adjourning Congress. To say, all right, if you want to leave, you actually need to put your name against whether you wanted to leave or not wanted to leave, wanted to stay. And so what they did was that there was a rush to adjourn before Corey and I could call the roll call vote. So what we need is for Congress to reconvene. We need to reconvene in order to extend the moratorium. Yeah. That's just what we need to do. And so what we need you to do, what would be helpful, is if you called your member of Congress and said, Hey, are you at work right now? were you at work on Friday? Were you willing to vote on this? Because people need to show up and do their job. And, you know, Corey's actually worked for a living. I've actually worked for a living. When we've actually worked for a living, we're accustomed to working, you know, and we need to be here and do our job and work and make sure that we can extend this moratorium because there's... This is not the time right now when seven million people are on the brink of eviction, when the Delta variant is surging. And here's the thing is that Congress, we did our job financially. In December and in March, we authorized emergency rental assistance. So we gave states $46 billion to give to renters and landlords. Renters and landlords can apply together and get, get the funds that they need in back rent to get emergency rental assistance. Now what's going on is that states have not released these funds. Only 3 billion out of the 46 billion has been released. So even in New York, the Cuomo administration has not released all of the funds in Missouri. No, not at all.
4: Not at all. People are the uh, landlords are still waiting. People
3: are still being evicted. And so what we need is that while states are working on getting these funds out, we need to extend the CDC eviction moratorium. And the CDC eviction moratorium needs to be extended because housing is a primary indicator, primary social indicator of health. If you are not housed, you are far more likely to be sick in a very large, large uh, range of diseases. But beyond that, what we know is that the, the homes that are most at risk for being evicted are also in communities that are least vaccinated. So you push all of these people out of their homes and they're unvaccinated, they're susceptible to Delta, which is more contagious and more severe than even the first strain of COVID. And And what we're signing ourselves up for is just a huge spread of disease. And so the other thing that we know is that housing is a lot like long-term unemployment. Once you are unhoused, it is very difficult to get housed against. Corey has spoken to this so eloquently so many times. So we need to get back here and we need everyday people to stand up and create the political pressure because that's what folks here respond to. They respond to whether they're gonna keep their job or not. And that, frankly, is a measure of political pressure. And so Republican, Democrat, we need to be here in order to make sure that people do their jobs. We've exercised the procedural functions that we can exercise as freshmen and sophomore House (laughs) members, which, as you can imagine, is not a ton. But what we can do is, as organizers, is use an inside-outside strategy. And right now, we've done all that we can on the inside. Now we need the outside. And we need people to step up and put pressure, frankly, on both parties to get something done. Yeah, and so
4: uh, broadcasting... Podcasting from Radio
0: Live and Chicago The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. Yeah. greatest gymnast in America, maybe the greatest gymnast in the world. She is pulling out of competitions. I think there's one more competition. I think it's a floor competition. I'm not sure that she's pulling out of. Um, anyway, I mean if she wants to pull out of these events, that's her prerogative. But you know she's getting all kinds of hateful emails, racist taunts um, vile tweets. I mean, she's getting a lot of the things she doesn't deserve racist uh messages, and
1: it's just it's just
0: awful. The hate in America is just accelerating. And we have to do something about it. She doesn't deserve this. She should be praised. I'm pretty sure she doesn't need the money, but she should be praised. She's 24. And at 24, some people will act as if she's too old to be in the uh, um, position that she's in. She's one of the greatest, in my mind, and I hope in yours, one of the greatest gymnasts in the world. And she happens to be and she happens to be African American. I think that's something a lot of people can't deal with. Especially the white supremacist. What does white supremacist mean? It means that white people are better than other people. That's it. Trump. I mean, he he acknowledged uh, one day, one of his rotten uh, rotten rallies, that he was a white nationalist, he acknowledged it right there on stage, right there in front of the cameras. However, through many of his actions, we know what he is. Okay, so Simone Biles, she should not be subject to a lot of this racist garbage, but she is. She is, and it makes her... I saw her one day, I think, uh, on television, and she was she was had tears in her eyes. I don't know if she had tears in her eyes because she was withdrawing from competition, or you know the racist comments, the nasty the nasty comments that she's she, she's getting. I never knew the country that I was raised in, that I was born could be so hateful, be so vile, be so just the hate. I think the hate has been here all along. It just took Donald Trump to uh, let it loose on our America. It's been here. The Republican Party has been simmering for a long time. It took Donald Trump to give them the go ahead to hate to lie to cheat to thug it, it's just horrible i think that uh what we're going through yeah anyway you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr show and you will continue to listen to the George Wilder Jr show we have a long time to go before we are, we are off the air and uh, i can't say this enough please get vaccinated please get vaccinated it's the only thing that's going to get us out of
1: this COVID shit
0: please get vaccinated I know even at the sound of my voice some people are saying I'm not going to get no goddamn shot and some people you cannot persuade to get a shot some people are just in their minds. They're not going to get it. And, and no matter what, even if they're seeing friends and their family get sick and drop dead from this, they are still dead
1: fat. But let me say this. Everybody who's, who everybody
0: out there who has been advocating that people get the shot, get the shot, take the shot. I mean, doctors, Uh, Everybody, politicians, everybody
1: that has been saying get the shot, people are getting the shot because
0: of people like you, people like me, uh, telling people to get the shot, get up off their asses and get the shot. They're getting the shot, even if they're being paid to get the shot. But it's not enough. we got to get out there and really, really, (laughs) really, you know, uh, tell people, get the shot. Take the shot. It will save your lives, and it will save the lives of people around you. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. All right. Yeah, you're on the air. Go right ahead.
6: I see where people who are getting who have been had the shots are coming down with COVID-19, not the variant, but 19.
0: Yeah, I agree. People are coming. I mean, if you're fully vaccinated, you can still get the shot. I mean, a lot of the uh, vaccines, they're not foolproof. Uh, But however, it is better to have the shot than not to have the shot.
6: Well, how is that when you people are coming down with the thing that they're getting the shots for? And I also hear where the lady from Nigeria that was talking about the hydrochloroquine has been vindicated. Now she's suing CNN and Anderson Cooper for $100 million.
0: Really? I haven't heard that. Why is she suing us? Yes.
6: Because she took the shot because and the- didn't... No, because they shown that the hydroxychloroquine, as it was talked about earlier, matter of fact, Trump talked about it, It's eighty some odd percent effective, whereas Pfizer is only thirty nine.
0: Well, I haven't heard that, and I, I, it would have been. I yeah, think it, it would have been all over the news if something like that would have happened. Where can I find that information? No, they
6: don't put anything like that. They don't put on. They don't put well, out there it's on high- the news you going to have to uh, Google it. It's out there. If
0: Trump talked about it, it would have been news.
6: No, no, it's not. Anything that uh, he talked about is not news. It's removed.
1: So you but think this lady is telling at, the at truth? Oh,
6: you know. No, the news is telling the truth. You can check and see if the li- lawsuits have been uh, filed. Lawsuits are public knowledge.
0: Well, uh, I, I'm gonna uh, research what you just said because I don't. Yeah, want you can do that. Uh, uh, I don't want something wrong said on the show because you know people are listening or will be
6: listening, and I don't want something to to have something now, going out on the show that's not true. Now, the CDC is not an authority; they can only make suggestions. Well, th- that's advice. a
0: qualified suggestion, but you know what? I think you might be right. If Trump did say something about this it, they probably would not have agreed with it and would not have put it
6: out and another thing is the cdc the same organization that carry out the tuskegee experiment pardon is this the cdc is the same organization the same agency that was carrying out the tuskegee experiment you remember the one down there in Alabama where they had the black men that had syphilis, and they weren't treating them; they was giving them placebos to see how the syphilis was gonna affect them.
0: Okay, and I'm getting a vibe from you. I'm getting that you you're probably not vaccinated. Oh, I already told you I wasn't. Okay, you are. Okay, okay. So no, you I all... said I'm not.
6: Oh, you're not. Okay. Sorry, I... No. My vaccination is my biology, my human body, like it has yeah, been for the longest like time.
0: That. A lot of people well, think it's like true. that. Yeah. Uh, they're taking herbs well, isn't and it? drinking.
6: drinking um, no, you don't have to drink no herbs. Your body, how long is a human being I'm just around? saying
0: that that's what people are saying. No, I'm not drinking. Oh, yeah. well you People can, are giving all kinds can of to,
6: to
0: not get the shot. They're saying they're taking African medication or whatever they're drinking well pearls. they have
6: the less they have the they have some of the strongest immune systems on the planet those people from over in the african countries
0: so why aren't you uh getting the shot when everybody in the world is saying get the shot that is safe uh no it's not it's safe. effective
6: it's, it's not safe anything that comes in as a vaccine it's on see your body.
0: So you're on well, my this show telling like people that the vaccine is not
1: safe. The vaccine well, is if, safe. It, Thank you. Sir. Safe. The vaccine is safe, folks. It's it's one of the safest things that you can take.
0: Uh, the George Wilder Jr. show is saying that the vaccine is take safe. Get the vaccine. We will be right back. We will be. Right back doing this. Doing the thing on the George Wilder Jr. show. If we can get
1: clips to working. Is
7: Donald Trump broke? We may need a Werther moment to find out the truth. I'm Drew Levine from (laughs) statesmith.com.
2: Donald Trump loves to brag about how rich he is.
6: I'm very rich. I'm really rich. I'm the most successful person ever to run. Fortunately, I'm very rich. So I have a total net worth, and now with the increase, it'll be well over $10 billion.
7: In fact, his entire claim to legitimacy as a presidential candidate depended on the story that he was a wealthy and successful businessman, a billionaire. But the evidence may actually be telling a different story. According to Robert Hockett, a distinguished professor of law and public affairs at Cornell
2: University, As the Delta variant rips through the unvaccinated, troubling new guidance about how easily the virus spreads. Will the U.S. bring back more restrictions? In all probability. The head of the National Institutes of Health, Dr. Francis Collins, and Ohio Republican Governor Mike DeWine join us next. And big effing deal. The Senate is working through the weekend, hoping to pass President Biden's bipartisan infrastructure deal. This is an important bill. I know all the parties want to get this right. But after that, the hard part starts. Key negotiators, Republican Senator Susan Collins and Democratic Senator Joe Manchin will be here. Plus in the balance. Millions of Americans bracing for eviction after a pandemic-era ban expires. How did Democrats fall short? Democratic Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has been sounding the alarm and joins me ahead. Hello, I'm Jake Tapper in Washington where the state of our union is frustrated. U.S. coronavirus cases rose more than 50% just in the last week. 50% It's a rising tide of pain and death for unvaccinated people that is largely preventable. Top health officials in the U.S. are grappling with new information that shows the Delta variant is not only more transmissible, but also more harmful than previous variants, again, for people who are not vaccinated, all of which has the U.S. moving backwards largely because roughly 40% of those eligible for the vaccine, 12 and older, remain unvaccinated. Now, Americans in areas of higher spread, more than 80% of the U.S., are being advised to wear masks indoors, regardless of their vaccination status, which has left a whole lot of people worried and frankly confused, and others angry about yet another reversal in federal guidelines, one that raises more questions than it answers. Perhaps the most important facts for you at home to remember today are these. Less than 0.001% of those fully vaccinated have experienced a fatal breakthrough case. Less than 0.004% of those fully vaccinated had to be hospitalized. In other words, the vaccines work. The vaccines remain the best way to protect yourselves from this virus, period, full stop. One encouraging note, after the new warnings about the Delta variant, and as the federal government and private businesses began to require vaccination, the rate of those getting their shots has risen almost 30%. Joining me now, Director of the National Institutes of Health, Dr. Anthony Fauci's boss, Dr. Francis Collins. Dr. Collins, thanks so much uh, for joining us. So two months ago, you said that unvaccinated Americans in areas with low vaccination rates were, in your view, sitting ducks, and that was even before this new guidance. What is your fear about how bad this could get if people watching right now do not get vaccinated?
7: Well, look at the numbers, Jake. Of uh, Cases have gone up about fourfold in the last couple of weeks. We're pushing up towards 100,000 cases a day now, and particularly so in those hot spots where vaccination rates are still quite low, maybe 30%. Uh, that would be Missouri and Arkansas, Louisiana, uh, Florida. And those are areas of deep concern. The good news is that people are getting the message. You may have seen the data that in Louisiana, vaccination rates have gone up threefold in the last two weeks. Overall, for the country, vaccination rates are up 56% in the last two weeks. So I think maybe I'm trying to look on the bright side of this. What's the silver lining of this? is that people are waking up to this, and this may be a tipping point uh, for those who have been hesitant to say, okay, it's time. I hope that's what's happening. That's what desperately needs to happen if we're going to get this Delta variant uh, put back in its place, because right now it's having a pretty big party in the middle of the country.
2: Yeah, no, I hope that that's that's what's happening uh, as well. Um, I have to say, uh, there's some confusion out there uh, about the Biden administration and about the CDC's new guidance that vaccinated Americans need to, again, wear masks indoors in most of the country. Can you, can you clear this up? Do most vaccinated Americans need to wear masks indoors in order to protect themselves and other vaccinated Americans, or is this primarily about protecting unvaccinated Americans, including children under 12, or people who are refusing to get vaccinated?
7: It's mostly about protecting the unvaccinated. That's where the real serious risks of illness are. If you're vaccinated right now, your likelihood of getting severely sick is 25-fold reduced. Uh, You gave some numbers right before this segment, Jake, about that. The vaccines work extremely well. But the new news, and much of this comes from that outbreak in Barnstable County, uh, Massachusetts, is that vaccinated people are capable of getting the virus in their nose and throat, and they do seem to have high enough levels of virus that they might be contagious. And hence the reason, if you're in a community where this virus is spreading, which is about 75% of counties right now, it is prudent uh, to put on a mask, even if you're vaccinated, just in case uh, you might be somebody who's currently spreading it. And you don't want to do that to kids under 12 or to some of those other folks who remain unvaccinated. It's just good common sense. I know it has confused everybody because it's a change in direction, but if we can step aside from all of the political assumptions, which really don't fit here, and look at the data, that's the data.
2: Some experts fear that this new mask guidance could actually give the impression that the vaccines don't work. To be clear, as we've been saying on this show for months, the vaccines work. The vaccines work. But do you worry that these misunderstandings might actually end up discouraging people from getting the vaccine.
7: I do worry that some superficial interpretation of this might lead to that conclusion, which would be absolutely wrong, uh, Jake. I'm encouraged to see that vaccination rates are actually going up now and not down, but we need to watch that closely. Again, the vaccines are incredibly effective. Even against Delta, I'll give you the numbers again. If you're vaccinated now, your chance of getting infected go down by about three and a half fold. Your chance of even having symptoms from that go down by eight fold. Your chance of ending up with illness significant enough to be in the hospital goes down 25 fold that is so fantastically good for any vaccine we didn't really have a right to dare they would be this good in the real world and they are even against delta so if anybody's listening who's been on the fence it's a tipping point now let's really try to get everybody out there and start to be part of the winning team uh, to roll up your sleeves
2: so some of the confusion also has to do with what we who are vaccinated are being told to do i just want to understand something If I'm fully vaccinated and I'm in a room full of other people, all of whom are fully vaccinated, I assume it's pretty unlikely that any vaccinated individual in that room would A, have COVID in the first place, and B, spread it to another fully vaccinated person in that room. That would be two breakthrough infections. Uh, And then of course the concern is that that second person passes it on. What are the odds of that happening and can vaccinated Americans be around other vaccinated people without masks?
7: Probably depends on what the total number of people in that crowded space are, but you make a really good point. If you're talking about a small party like I might have at my house for six or eight people who are all fully vaccinated, I do not believe at this point we need to put masks on to be next to each other. But if there were a 100 people, and of course, how are you really going to be sure about people's vaccination status? And maybe there's some immunocompromised people there who, though they're vaccinated, are not actually fully protected, then the dynamic changes a little bit. There will be some need for common sense there.
2: Some businesses are going a step further and beginning. Uh, to require proof of vaccinations, not just for employees, but even for customers in some cases. Audience members for Broadway plays and musicals will need to be vaccinated. Some bars uh, in San Francisco and D.C. are requiring proof of vaccinations. Do you think, as a public health measure, it would be good for more businesses to require vaccine credentials uh, in order to have uh, vaccinated customers?
7: As a public health person who wants to see this pandemic end, yes, I think anything we can do uh, to encourage reluctant folks to get vaccinated because they'll want to be part of these public events, uh, that's a good thing. I'm delighted to see employers like Disney and Walmart uh, coming out and asking their staff now to be vaccinated. Um, I'm glad to see the president has said all federal employees. I oversee uh, NIH with 45,000 people uh, need to also get vaccinated, or if they're not, uh, to get regular testing, which is inconvenient. All of those steps, I think, are in the right direction. But I think maybe that's what it will take for some of those who've still been a little reluctant to say, okay, it's time. The data will support that decision. They are making the right choice for their own safety. But sometimes it takes a nudge.
2: Should airlines require that all flyers who are eligible to be vaccinated be vaccinated before boarding their planes? Yes. I think that's up to the airlines. I do think a case could be made
7: uh, for that, and that would be another incentive for some of those who are reluctant, and people wouldn't be surprised, I think, to see that start to happen. So if you're thinking about international travel and you're not yet vaccinated, it might be time to go ahead and get started.
2: Uh, Florida is approaching, as you noted, a record high number of coronavirus cases. This comes as Governor Ron DeSantis signed an executive order on Friday to prevent Florida schools from requiring masks. Governor DeSantis is even threatening to withhold state dollars from schools uh, that impose a mask mandate anyway. Now, to be clear, the risk to kids remains very, very low, but I do wonder, as a public health uh, measure, Is there a public health reason to ban schools from requiring masks? And are you afraid at all that banning masks requirements might cost lives? Well, I don't understand
7: the ban. Uh, Certainly this seems like something local officials ought to be able to decide based on their community's circumstance. And we do know that kids are capable of getting pretty sick. We've lost about 400 children who have died from COVID-19 since this all started. And kids can also get long COVID where they aren't maybe that sick with the acute illness but then end up months later with difficulties with brain fog and fatigue that interferes with their school performance. So this is not to be just dismissed as a zero risk. And, of course, kids also uh, live in homes, and there may be people in those homes who are perhaps immunosuppressed, uh, and they could bring home the virus and cause a bad outcome. So it just makes common sense in a community where the virus is spreading, and that's pretty much all of Florida right now. Uh, to do everything you can to prevent that which includes mask wearing for kids in schools even though it's inconvenient i think maybe when you look on the scale of uh, things that we're asked to do being asked to wear a mask is perhaps not quite the huge challenge burden that sometimes is being portrayed Uh, Kids are pretty adaptable. What we need to do is be sure they get back to school. That's really critical, uh, so that they have a chance for social interactions and learning. That we must protect. And maybe the best way to do that is to be sure you're not allowing outbreaks in the schools by having everybody run around without the masks.
2: And and very quickly, if if you could, uh, Doctor, how quickly before, how soon before we see a vaccine that has been approved for use by kids uh, under the age of 12?
7: Well, you know that that is being reviewed right now by the FDA, uh, Pfizer having submitted uh, the data about that. Uh, The question is, will they decide to issue that as an emergency use for that age group, or or will they fold it in uh, when they put forward the full approval of the vaccine, which is also intensely under study? and Peter Marks at FDA has just recently indicated that it's an all-hands-on-deck effort to speed that up. I know everybody wants that to happen as soon as possible, but you want it done right.
2: All right, Dr. Francis Collins of the National Institutes of Health, thank you so much for your time today.
7: Glad to be with you, Jake. Glad that we can talk about these issues. They really you. matter.
2: Moving to Capitol Hill now, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer just announced that those senators working through the weekend on the roughly $1 trillion infrastructure bill need more time to finish their work. The bill includes a bipartisan agreement for $550 billion in new infrastructure spending. So far... There's not an actual written bill to upgrade the nation's roads, bridges, and broadband for senators to vote on. Joining us now, one of the negotiators of the infrastructure deal, Republican Senator Susan Collins of Maine. It's so good to see you. Thanks so much. Good to see you in person. It's been Thank a long, you. long, long time. Um, so you've been working all weekend. Uh, what's the holdup been, and when will senators be able to see a bill?
8: Well, it's hard to translate the, an agreement into actual bill language. But it's important to note that on Friday night, we did send out to Senate offices a large amount of the authorizing the policy legislation. Overnight, we've been finishing up the spending provisions, the appropriations provisions, and marrying them to the bill. And we really are just about finished. But large parts of text have already been shared with Senate offices.
2: Do you think it will be introduced this week? Will it pass this
8: week? That certainly is my expectation and my hope. We're going into the session today at 12, and I think we will be able to lay down the bill later today and begin perhaps consideration of some amendments. My hope is that we'll finish the bill by the end of the week.
2: And will it have at least 10 Republican senators to vote for it?
8: I believe that it will. This bill is good for America. Every senator can look at bridges and roads and need for more broadband waterways in their state, seaports, airports, and see the benefits, the very concrete benefits, no pun intended, of this legislation. It's going to make us more competitive, more productive. It's going to create good jobs.
2: I'm not sure... Why? But former President Trump has vowed to help defeat in primaries any Republican senator who supports your deal. You were just reelected, so I know this isn't necessarily a concern for you right now, but are those threats working on scaring some of your fellow Republicans away from supporting this bill?
8: I think each senator will make his or her own decision and look at the benefits to his or her own state. I uh, have worked with uh, the members of our group so that we have a state-by-state analysis and in the end I think we will have more than 10 Republicans who support the bill. It's worth pointing out that President Trump proposed an infrastructure package of I think 1.5 trillion dollars so He, too, at one point, recognized the need for investment uh, in infrastructure.
2: Yeah, no, I I said I don't know why he's against it other than he's not part of it. Uh, Let's change the subject, if we can, uh, to a dark day in the U.S., uh, January 6th. You supported... Uh, the failed effort to create an independent January 6th commission when it came to the Senate, although Senate Republicans ultimately defeated it uh, in general. The House has a new Select Committee. Uh, There are two Republican members, Kinsinger and Cheney, and they held their first hearing this past week. And frankly, the four law enforcement officers testified. It was gut-wrenching testimony at times. Um, These are four who who helped defend the Capitol, who helped defend you uh, that day. Take a listen. What makes the struggle harder and more
7: painful is to know so many of my fellow citizens, including so many of the people I put my life at risk to defend, are downplaying or outright denying what happened. The indifference
2: shown to my colleagues is disgraceful. What do you think about the, and I'm not including you, but what do you think about the indifference shown to the law enforcement by Republican lawmakers that we have seen with even some people smearing them and do you have faith in this bipartisan committee?
8: Well, first let me point out that I met with Mike Fanone and I met with other police officers uh, to hear about their physical injuries, their emotional trauma from that very dark day in our history. And they are still, the Capitol Police are still working 10 to 14 hours a day. They need more help. They risked their lives to defend everybody who was in the Capitol that day, including me. I fought very hard to have an independent bipartisan, nonpartisan outside commission to look at all of the events of that day. And uh, I'm very disappointed that it was not approved. I think it would have had far more credibility uh, than Speaker Pelosi's partisan um, committee that she has set up. But we should have had a 9-11 style commission to fully look at what happened.
2: Yeah I mean uh, Mitch McConnell opposed it and that's why it didn't happen. I should, you called it a partisan committee. I should note that there are two Republicans on the committee, Cheney and Kinsinger. Do you have faith in them? Yeah,
8: I respect both of them but I do not think it was right for the speaker to decide which Republicans should be on the committee. Normally if you have a select committee Uh, The minority leader and the speaker get to pick the member.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the reason she did that is because at least two of the members McCarthy picked to be on the committee are election liars, one of whom, Jim Jordan, is possibly even a material witness. He spoke with Trump that day.
8: Well, there were many communications with uh, President Trump that day. And, and look, as you know, I believe that uh, he that while the riders are primarily responsible for what happened, there's no doubt in my mind that President Trump uh, helped instigate uh, uh, and motivate the rioters and. Uh, that's one reason I voted to impeach him the hallmark of our democracy is the peaceful transfer of power and for anyone the writer the president anyone to try to interfere with the electoral college count is completely unacceptable
2: looking forward the state of Mississippi has asked the Supreme Court to overturn Roe versus Wade. Uh, the court's slated to hear arguments in the fall. You said to me that you didn't think Neil Gorsuch uh, would vote to overturn Roe v. Wade. You told my colleague Dana Bash you didn't think that Brett Kavanaugh would vote to overturn Roe v. Wade. Now there's a third Trump appointee on the court, Amy Coney Barrett, so there's a 6-3 conservative majority. Are you still confident that the Supreme Court will protect Roe v. Wade?
8: Well, I realize it's always hazardous to predict what's going to happen. But if you look at the Roberts Court and how it has ruled, uh, there were a lot of naysayers on the left that said they would never hold up the Affordable Care Act. They did. They said they would never hold up same-sex marriages. Neil Gorsuch, the Supreme Court Justice, wrote the decision on banning discrimination in the workplace. So I think that a lot of people uh, on the left and pundits have been wrong about how the court has respected precedent. We'll have to see. Uh, I will say that I don't think the amicus briefs are going to influence this court. I think they will look at precedent and Reach their decision. I would also note that uh, I have voted for six of the nine justices on the court, mm-hmm. including uh, some of the most liberal ones as well as the more conservative ones.
2: I know you care a great deal about this thing called the Havana syndrome, which is this mysterious illness first experienced by officials of the u s. Embassy. In Cuba, more than one hundred and thirty cases have been reported. Worldwide victims report hearing an intense noise, followed by side effects such as nausea vertigo headaches new cases reported in Vienna just this month who do you think is behind
8: us that's the question that we must get an answer to and just recently the director of the CIA has appointed a very well qualified individual uh, to lead the search for this mysterious direct energy weapon that is causing in some cases permanent Traumatic brain injuries. I authored a bill with Senators Warner and Rubio that passed the Senate that will provide compensation for these individuals who, believe it or not, initially were having a hard time getting the care that they needed. That is disgraceful. Our bill has passed the Senate unanimously. I'd hoped that the House was going to pass it before going home this week, and that is a great disappointment to me.
2: All right. Susan Collins, Senator from Maine, party. Republican, thank you so much for being here. We really, really appreciate it. It's always good to see you. Thank you, Jim. And best of luck with the infrastructure no, negotiations. Thank you. Uh, coming up, I'm going to talk to uh, uh, two of the most influential voices in the Democratic Party. Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia is next, and then sent Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Don't get any- go anywhere. We're literally going to be back wow, in 60 seconds. One. Stay with us. And welcome back to State of the Union. I'm Jake Tapper. The Senate is hoping to wrap up a bipartisan infrastructure deal this week. For Democrats, of course, that's just the first step. Next, they're going to turn to a $3.5 trillion reconciliation budget package that they're planning to pass at the same time, full of progressive priorities such as child and elder care, climate crisis measures, and expansion to Medicaid. Joining us now is one of the most powerful Democratic senators and a key negotiator on this infrastructure package, Senator Joe Manchin. Of West Virginia, Senator Manchin. It's good to see you. Yeah, Thanks so much, West Virginia. To in yeah, person. yeah. I haven't seen you in person in a long, long time. Um, it's too long. Good to see you. So, Schumer things. says he wants to finish up this bipartisan infrastructure deal in a matter of days. Yeah. Uh, we haven't seen it yet. When do you think we will? Today. Today.
9: Yeah. I think you'll see text today, and by the, this evening, hopefully, we can start the process. Hopefully, start our amendment process by tomorrow. Wow. We should finish up by Thursday. I hope.
2: And you think it will pass?
9: I do. Oh, absolutely, I do. Let me tell you, Jake. When you see Chuck Schumer and, and you see Mitch McConnell both voting for the same thing, it's unbelievable, but the bottom line yeah, is... Yeah, that never happens. I, no, and I will tell you this, Senator Schumer has really been great on this, allowing us to work this process, bringing everybody, trying to get a bipartisan deal, no matter what you may have heard. He's been working it hard, keeping us engaged, everyone's engaged. We keep telling, we're getting closer and closer. We've got the text done now, basically it's, it's just drafting right now.
2: Speaker Pelosi says she's not going to hold a vote on the bill assuming it passes the senate until the much larger 3.5 trillion dollar budget reconciliation bill passes the senate some moderate house democrats say that the house should vote on the infrastructure bill as soon as they can what strategy do you support well
9: i would never give speaker pelosi any advice on how she's going to run you know she does uh, she does a great job And uh, I just uh, believe that every bill should go up on its own merits. I really do.
2: Senator Warren Warren described these two bills uh, as really one big package. Is that how you view it? Well,
9: I I didn't. I never did view it that way. I respect Senator Warren and everybody else who has a different perspective of this. The bottom line is that for the last three decades we've been trying to, previous administrations have been trying to do a large infrastructure bill. When you talk about roads and bridges and rails and train and, and everything that goes with it and internet services, Uh, It's something that every state, every area of every state needs. So this is something you should be getting 80 or 90 votes on. And right now we're going to do great on that. But I've always felt that infrastructure, traditional infrastructure, is traditional infrastructure. And a pothole doesn't have a Republican or Democrat's name on it. It'll bust your tire and tear up your car. We need to fix things.
2: Yeah. Let's talk about the sweeping reconciliation bill. Uh, uh, Arizona Senator uh, Kirsten Sinema, uh, who is one of the other moderates sure. uh, among Democrats in the Senate, she made headlines this week saying that a $3.5 trillion bill is too big for her to support. Now, I know you've said you're keeping an open mind, sure. uh, but you previously said you're concerned about the debt and inflation. You've suggested you could back $2 trillion. Would you prefer this bill be smaller?
9: Well, let me just say this out of respect for all of my colleagues who worked so hard. And I respect them, too. Hopefully, they respect us for what we've been doing, uh, the more moderate group or, or conservative group of the Democratic Party. But with that, you have to have a blend. So where they are right now, everyone should be concerned about debt. We're 28, almost $28.6 trillion of debt. And our debt goes up $4 billion a day. If you're sleeping, if it's a weekend, whatever, it goes up $4 billion a day. Someone should be concerned about getting your financial house in order, so I'm worried about that. I'm worried about inflation but with that we're gonna pay for it so let's see what to pay for is if they're real let's see if the tax adjustments we're gonna make I didn't vote for the 2017 I thought it was weighted to the wrong side so if we make some adjustments we're we going to go overboard and make ourselves non-competitive I wouldn't be for that
2: Politico reports uh, that when you brought up the federal deficit at a Democratic caucus luncheon on Tuesday you were
9: booed I'm not sure I, I, you thought, were booed. I heard a lot of no's I don't know if it may be boo no or no boo or something what it was, was this. I just said, basically, that, just what I told you, both of these bills should go up on its own merits. Yeah. Some of my colleagues, my friends, who thought differently, should be all one or should, one should go with the other, felt, no, that, you know, so I, I understand that, and we have some good back and forth. They know who I am, they know where I come from, and they know what I'm about, and I've been up front with them.
2: After you come on the show, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, mm-hmm. uh, one of the leaders of the progressive movement sure. in the Democratic Party uh, is going to talk You are, you know, I would say one of the leaders, if not the leader, of the of the more moderate Democratic Party uh, on Capitol Hill. Can you guarantee to AOC that a reconciliation package will pass the Senate? Just her concern is that uh, this infrastructure bill might be bipartisan, but it's scaled back so much it's not as bold as it should be in what the country needs. Can you guarantee her? that the reconciliation package will pass? I
9: can't really guarantee anybody, you know, and I have not guaranteed anybody on any of these pieces of legislation. We would we like to do more? Yeah, you can do what you can pay for. This is paid for. Our infrastructure bill is all paid for. We don't have a debt that we're going to incur more debt and throwing on to it, and on the other, as far as the reconciliation bill, should be looked at the same. That's why I said we're going to get the budget uh, resolution, let's start the process and then see where it goes. Uh, On that, we should just work in good faith and be honest with each other, so no one's misled any way, shape, or form, and there should be no quid pro quo. You do this, I'll do this. When it comes to big legislation, does it help the American people? How do you tell over 80% of the people, Democrats and Republicans, that we can't do an infrastructure bill, a traditional infrastructure? There's a lot of need out there for the human infrastructure, I understand. But some of these programs that they're going to be putting in place could be in perpetuity. And even though it only has a 10-year run on it, so it's been scored at 10 years at 3.5, it might have perpetuity. It would be $5 trillion or more. So we have to look at everything and be honest with ourselves.
2: Senator Amy Klobuchar said this week uh, that you are very close to an agreement on uh, voting rights legislation. Mm-hmm. One of the main re- questions has been what kind of national voter ID rules it will include or allow on the state level. What can you tell us about that, and could we see that agreement this week?
9: Well, as I say, we all have a desire. First of all, the the whole stronghold of our democracy, the bedrock of our democracy, is an open, fair, and secured election. People have to know that basically, at the end of the day, when the count's made, it's accurate, and either you've won or I've won. However it's done, it's supposed to be an orderly transfer. Under President Trump, we have not seen an orderly transfer. We have not seen an acceptance of basically the will of the people, and that has made it very difficult. So when you have 41 million people still believing maybe Joe Biden's not the duly elected, which he absolutely is, and it was done in a very fair and a very, very secure system, that we've got to make sure whatever we do, we don't divide our country further. Mm. So people say, well, what's Joe going to do, or what's Joe going, what's he for or against? I will not do anything, Jake, that will separate our country further. And to do a major overhaul on voter and on voting rights bill, take the Voting Rights Act that we had in 65, use a John Lewis, and John Lewis, the most decent human being, and make sure we stay within the guidelines of what we're supposed to, protect the elections, not going into this expansive uh, uh, overhaul, if you will, to the point to where it could be overturned in court. And we've been seeing the courts overturn some of this.
2: I know you want it to be bipartisan, but it could be. I don't know how possible that is. The only Republican I've heard talk about this in a positive way is Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, you know what uh,
9: I can't understand, Jake, and I'm sorry to interrupt you on that, but I cannot understand, how did it pass 98-0 to 0 in 2006, and now it's not possible for that to happen?
2: I don't know, but is there any circumstance under which you could imagine allowing a carve-out for the... I know you oppose getting rid of the filibuster, but there are there, some people in the more moderate camp, like uh, Angus King of sure. Maine, who's an independent, uh, who said that he's possibly willing to step back from the filibuster his opposition to getting rid of the filibuster just for voting rights because he's so concerned and it becomes it's become so partisan can you imagine ever doing that
9: Jake I can't imagine a carve out because I was here in 2013 when it was called a carve out we're just going to do the cabinet for the president and then it went into we're going to do the judges who are lifetime appointments for circuit and district they were even going to do supreme court but they didn't at that time the democrats were in control 2017 Mitch McConnell's in control comes right back in and guess what That carve out worked to really carve us up pretty bad. Then you got the Supreme Court. Okay, so there's no stopping it. And if we don't put this place back in order, you get rid of the filibuster, which makes us work together. And I've said this: the whole, the, the the brilliancy of our of our founding fathers was this. Why in the world did they give two senators to Rhode Island and Delaware at the time they were forming this great nation of ours, when they told New York and Pennsylvania and Ohio, hey, you only get two too. Mm-hmm. It was basically to make us work together so that the big states wouldn't overrun the little states. It's a minority participation.
2: Quick, quick question for you before you leave, sir. Sure. Um, the House tried and failed to extend the CDC's eviction moratorium this week. Uh, it, they failed, so millions of Americans are at risk of losing their homes in the coming weeks. Uh, there is this desire to extend the moratorium, and, and Congresswoman El- sure. Acacia Cortez is going to talk about this, to extend the moratorium to get this money, tens of billions of dollars that are sitting there, for renters to be able to pay their rent, to go to landlords who need to pay the mortgages, et cetera. Are you in favor of extending the moratorium?
9: Jake, first of all, the money's already there, as you right. said. Why didn't it go out the door? I can't tell you. I that. Don't know. But to put blame on anybody right now, let's fix that and make sure that we're able to use the money for the purpose it was appropriated for. But also, the economy's come back strong. Everybody can get a, 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 a vaccination. I hope they have. But still, yet they're trying to get their feet back under them again from a real tough year. We understand all that, so we should be compassionate. We should help, and if that money is there, we should use it for its extended purpose.
2: So you should, you would support absolutely. extending the moratorium, absolutely to get for the money. money out the door. It's not
9: new money. It's not right. more debt. It's already money we've appropriated.
2: Senator Joe Manchin from the great state of West Virginia, thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Jake.
9: It's Always good to be good with to you.
2: you. The crisis that sent.
1: And welcome back to State of the
2: Union. I'm Jake Tapper. A rally at the Capitol overnight. Progressive lawmakers demanding that the House come back in session. Some even spending the whole night on the steps in solidarity with those who may soon find themselves without a roof over their heads. After the federal ban on rental evictions expired at midnight without a vote to extend it, Congress has passed already billions of dollars to help renters during the pandemic pandemic. But only a sliver of that money has actually been distributed, leaving both tenants and also some landlords in desperate straits. Joining us live now to discuss, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York, who was at the rally last night. Good to see you in person. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've been warning that this eviction deadline was coming for weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Democrats control the House. You guys control the Senate. You guys control the White AMC. House. Nothing aggressive was done by leadership
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, until just a couple days ago. Who's to blame here?
3: Well, you know, I think there's a couple of of issues here. First of all, you are absolutely correct in that the House and House leadership had the opportunity to vote to extend the moratorium. And there were many, and there was frankly a handful of conservative Democrats in the House that threatened to get on planes rather than hold this vote. And we have to um, really just call a spade a spade. We cannot in good faith blame the republican party when house democrats have a majority now there is something to be said for the fact that this court order came down on the white house a month ago and the white house waited until the day before the house adjourned to release a statement asking on congress to extend the moratorium this came after weeks i sit on the financial services committee which has jurisdiction over housing we had you know the the housing secretary there asking about the administration's stance uh, we asked the Biden administration about their stance, and they were not being really forthright about that advocacy and that request until the day before the House adjourned. And so the House was put into a, I believe, a, a needlessly difficult situation. Um, and it's not just me saying that. Uh, financial Services Chairwoman, uh, Chairwoman Maxine Waters has made that very clear as well. And so there's a couple of contributing factors here. We have governors who are also not getting this emergency rental assistance out in time, which is – forcing this this extension, what we would like an extension of the moratorium. The fact of the matter is, is that the problem is here. The House should reconvene and call this vote and extend the moratorium. There's about 11 million people that are behind on their rent at risk of eviction. That's one out of every six renters in the United States. Congress is out of yeah. town
2: for the next seven weeks. Uh, Speaker Pelosi made it clear in a letter to Democrats last night she's not calling the House back. The Senate's here because uh, they got the infrastructure bill. Um, And you heard uh, Manchin say that he thinks that the uh, moratorium should be extended so that these tens of billions of dollars can get out the door. What's your response?
3: Well, listen, the House adjourned technically for seven weeks, but I want to be very clear that due to the ongoing negotiations with the bipartisan infrastructure bill, we were given very specific instructions that we are set to adjourn for seven weeks, but every member of the House of Representatives is currently on a 24-hour callback notice in anticipation of that bipartisan infrastructure bill. So we all have left town with plans to come back within 24 hours if necessary. And I believe that the expiration of the eviction moratorium and having 11 million Americans, one out of every six renters, at risk of of being kicked out of their homes is worth coming back and triggering that 24-hour notice we cannot leave town without doing our job
2: can you explain to the american people why it is that these tens of billions of dollars that congress has already passed Mm -hmm. to help renters and also you know we shouldn't depict and you're not but landlords some of them are small business people they need the money too to so they can survive these are not all just jared kushner slumlord types right and so this money's there. Mm-hmm. What's the hold of? Why can't it get out the door?
3: Well, you know, this money was handed over by Congress and the federal government to states and local municipalities to dole out. And what that means, then is that each, each individual governor is responsible for establishing these programs. I think that in some states, governors and and state administrations might be slow walking this process to get it out. In other states, the administrative burden of setting it up. But there are are states and municipalities that have been getting it right. Mm -hmm. And we're at a point where frankly, those state governments need to get it together. But we cannot kick people out of their homes when our end of the bargain has not been fulfilled. Out of the $46 billion that has been allocated, only $3 billion has gone out to help renters and small mom-and-pop landlords.
2: No, it's crazy. Um, you just heard uh, Joe Manchin a few moments ago talk about the reconciliation bill. The, that's the bigger budget package, $3.5 trillion. He said, he can't give him any guarantee that it would pass the Senate. What was your response to that?
3: Well, listen, this deal, these deals on infrastructure that have gone out are not just bipartisan, but they are also bicameral. And it was very, it was made that means very House clear. And Senate. Yes, that means House and Senate. And so it was made very clear at the beginning of this process that this bipartisan deal, if it even survives the Senate, the only chance that it has at passing the House is if, the House passes the Senate bill and if the Senate passes the House bill, which is largely in reconciliation. And so we can't just have one body driving the entire legislative agenda for the country and, frankly, 20 senators that, within that one body. And so we need a reconciliation bill if this bipartisan bill is going to get, if we want this bipartisan bill to pass.
2: Now, I know the infrastructure uh, deal that they're talking about, and Manchin said they're going to introduce it today, they're going to bring out the language, is, is obviously a lot smaller than you wanted, a lot smaller than a lot of your fellow progressives wanted. It still does include things that you like, including funding for electric vehicle charging stations, public transit, clean water systems, broadband, more. When it comes before the House, as it looks like will happen, will you vote for it?
3: Uh, We have to hold hold on to that bargain. There is not a reconciliation bill in the House, and if the Senate does not pass the reconciliation bill, we will uphold our end of the bargain and not pass the bipartisan bill until we get all of these investments in. And I want to be clear that the investments in the bipartisan bill are not all, you know, candy land. There are some of these, quote-unquote, pay-fors that are very alarming that we need to see the language on. For example, some of the language around privatizing public infrastructure, putting toll roads, leasing public infrastructure to private entities are very concerning and should be concerning to every American. So we really need to see that language and see what's put in there uh, until, until it reaches, you know, when it reaches the House. Bipartisan doesn't always mean that that it's in the interest of the public good, frankly. Sometimes there's a lot of corporate lobbyist giveaways in some of these bills.
2: Okay, so when it comes to the infrastructure package, you disagree with your fellow Democrat, uh, Congresswoman Alyssa Slotkin of Michigan, who told Politico, quote, strike while the iron's hat. If you get a deal and if it's significant money, don't let it sit. It does not age well. You disagree.
3: Well, we have, we have a deal, and the deal is reconciliation for the bipartisan infrastructure
2: bill. Okay, <laughs> yeah, you've made your point. You have called out uh, Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema for saying she does not support the budget reconciliation package, $3.5 trillion uh, for all sorts of priorities. You, you wrote, quote, good luck tanking your own party's investment on child care, climate action, and infrastructure while presuming you'll survive a three-vote House margin.
3: Yeah, I mean that's the thing. This is a deal, and we have a tight margin in the Senate. I respect that we have to get Senator you know Cinema and Manchin's vote on reconciliation. They should also respect that there's a very tight House margin, and that we have to be able to uphold our end of the bargain as well. And House progressives are also part of that of that majority. And how
2: many so, how many House progressives do you think are with you on this?
3: I believe a very large amount of the Progressive Caucus. The total amount is about 90. I, you know, I, I'm not the, the whip of the Progressive Caucus, <laughs> but what I can tell you is that it's certainly more than three, um, and it is in the double digits, absolutely.
2: Enough to prevent it from passing.
3: More than enough.
2: President Biden and other administration officials have signaled that they believe the Democrats can out-organize Republicans, uh, even though Republicans are passing all these measures that generally speaking make it more difficult to vote uh and generally speaking a lot of the emphasis for this is is the big lie Mm -hmm. that the election was stolen um you're an organizer uh former organizer uh is that a realistic strategy what president biden is saying that, that democrats can out organize republicans
3: on this no i appreciate the white house's optimism but i believe that it verges on naivete because what we have here first of all, is it already took unprecedented historic organizing to overcome the voter suppression efforts in 2020, and we barely squeaked through on the majorities and the White House election that we have. But beyond that, even if we are successful in quote-unquote out-organizing voter suppression, which is a ridiculous premise on its face, Republicans are already laying the groundwork in installing state-level attorney generals and beyond to overturn the results of any state election that they frankly do not like in states where they have taken power. And so even if you are successful in out organizing, they won't even, they're laying the groundwork to not even certify the results of the election. They're holding essentially dress rehearsals in states like Arizona in order to do that. Um, And I think we should be extremely alarmed and it will, we are setting it up to happen unless we pass very strong voter provisions against gerrymandering, voter protection rights, not just in H.R. 4, but we need the retroactive provisions in H.R. 1.
2: Congresswoman Alexandria cortez
0: All right, the George Wilder Jr. show is back on the air. We're just about off for today. But let me say this. Trump has a lot of investigations.
10: <laughs>
0: and I said this years ago. How does this guy deal with all of this shit hovering over him? I mean, it's lots and lots of investigations, lots of lawsuits. <laughs> maybe indictments coming and we're all saying why isn't Trump in jail already Uh, and they keep saying well the indictments are coming they're not coming fast enough because everybody around Trump is going to jail everybody is going to prison but not Trump and he is the uh, hit man He, he is the one giving the orders he is the one that's inciting all of this. Remember when people used to say everything Trump touched, everything Trump touches rots. That is so true. And people are saying the reason why Trump is not phased by any of this garbage surrounding him is that he's just a
1: narcissist.
0: He doesn't have any feelings. He doesn't have any empathy.
1: He doesn't just care. He doesn't give a damn. He doesn't care. He has
0: a mental problem because the the way this shit is surrounding Trump, anybody else would have just couldn't take it and be in prison by now. Not Trump. Donald Trump is still out there. This guy is still out there inciting riots. And we're wondering why is the federal government letting Donald Trump go free to incite another insurrection because that's what he's doing. yeah, is he worried about uh indictments? Of course he is. He know, and his family knew knows he know and his family knows that it won't be long. it won't be long. We have to stop Donald Trump from running. For president of the United States again because this, this is his motiva- motivation his motivation is to run for president again destroy the country become a dictator go after his many many enemies go after Facebook go after Twitter people who don't like him people who have banned him from their platforms this guy is coming after us and I've said this a thousand times he's coming after us. I've said this during his presidency because he was coming after us. He was coming after people on Social Security. He was coming after people uh, federal employees. He's coming after Republicans who he feels are traitors to his cause. Donald Trump must never ever see the light let me put it this way Donald Trump must never, ever see the inside of the Oval Office again. The White House, for that matter, he must never, never do that. And with these indictments and convictions, it will not happen. But so far, Donald Trump and his family has gotten away with this shit while everybody else around him go to jail. And also, at this point at, at this point in time, Donald Trump is out raising lots and lots of money to run in twenty twenty four maybe twenty twenty two the midterms. He is raising a lot of money, and people are pissed off because he's using the money that he's raising for his personal use, the money that people are sending him going into Donald Trump's pocket. And a lot of the people who have sent them money, they're very upset about that. But to Donald Trump, it's all a grift. He repeats the big lie and the big lie and the big lie again that he won the election and sends out emails, blasts out a bunch of emails telling people to send him money. And they send him money. They reach down into the bottom of the barrel and send Donald Trump their last cent. Refusing to believe that he doesn't give a shit about none of them. But they dig down in their pockets and send this guy money. And what does he do? He uses uses that money for his personal use. Puts it in his pocket. Puts it in his bank account and then goes back to the computer and begs for more. And guess what? People send it. But a lot of people I'm hearing that sending Donald Trump money, they don't like it. They're pissed off that he's using their money for their own personal use instead of using it to uh, fight Democrats and run 2024. Donald Trump has a lot of bills. I mean, he has to pay lawyers to defend him. He has to pay lawyers to get in court to lie for him. And that costs lots and lots of money. Lawyers are going to take his case because, for one thing, they're going to get paid real big, even if they lose. Yeah, this guy is raising a lot of money while being under investigations, many investigations many investigation lying to the american public for 4 years 5
1: years that should be a felony wow so let's hope that donald trump is soon indicted so he
0: doesn't get his hands on the president excuse me <laughs> presidency again this guy makes me stutter okay Um, anyway uh, the George Wilder Jr. show it's been fun and I hope you enjoyed uh, that clip there and uh, it, it said it said a lot especially about vaccines vaccines are safe do not believe what the Republicans tell you do not believe what Fox tells you for one thing stop watching Fox there's nothing newsy about it You got Tucker Carlson, you
1: got Sean Hannity, you got the rest of them. Woo! But in some cases, Fox tells the truth.
0: But the but the uh, viewers they don't like it when Fox tells the truth. They get in Fox's asses when they tell the truth on Trump. But anyway, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Black Talk Radio. It's been fun. It's been great. I've had a lot of fun. You've had a lot of fun, too. Um, and things are um, looking up with the unvaccinated. As I said earlier into the show, people are getting vaccinated. They may not be getting it uh, this percentages may not be going up as they should but it's getting better and we have to keep people uh we have to keep people in the loop about what the vaccines really are and try to stop the uh misinformation that is totally out there and try to put a halt to it but as long as people like you and me and others are telling people to get the vaccine, that it's safe and stop listening to those who are lying. Uh, we may get somewhere. We may get somewhere in in this uh, endeavor to uh, eradicate this disease. Get your shot, because right now they're saying that it is the unvaccinated that we have to worry about. It is the unvaccinated that America
1: has to deal with.
0: It's the unvaccinated who must get vaccinated in order to save our country. And I'm hearing it's around the world. Other countries are, are either past us or they're under us. But we have to get a handle on this vaccination. The vaccinations, the vaccines, excuse me, are safe. Are safe. So you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. Thank you for listening, no matter where you listening listening at, whether it's uh, live or you're listening to it after it's been processed. Thank you for listening. Thank I I would love to have your feedback. Tell me what you think about the show. Tell me do you think there should be a be other things that I should be doing and saying to make the show a lot better. You know, the George Wildman Jr. Show is always out here to make the world a better place, no matter how dire that seems. All right, everybody, I want to say goodbye. Have a good day. Talk to you later or, you know, entertain you (laughs) at some future time. Bye-bye.
10: Heaven help the girl who walks the streets alone. Heaven help the roses if the bombs begin to fall. Heaven, heaven, heaven help the black man if he struggles one more.